morning cap city how are you this morning amen let's give god praise and glory as we open up this service today first of all i want to say for all of you whoa okay i want to say to all of you that are here that uh, we are glad you are here i think uh, we're going through a, a little time uh, right now where a lot of folks are ill and so we are hoping that you are watching online and we want to welcome all of our online guests let's give them a hand tell them we are glad you are watching with us today and this is going to be a great day will you turn to someone and say this is going to be a great day it really is this is the second day of what we call our great commission conference we have been focusing on making 2022 a great year that has nothing to do with politics that has nothing to do with political candidates but has everything to do about growing and relationships and evangelism and attitude and the teaching of the scripture today it is a joy to have several guests with us today uh, on our worship team we have a young lady that used to work with us at OCU and went to Lebanon with us, uh, with uh, Kayla and Eric and Doug Carter and Michelle Khalil, Connie and I, and her name is Hannah Rager. Would you just simply let make Hannah welcome? This was the worship team that we had in Lebanon with the exception of Daniel Spriggs. 
and Daniel Spriggs, I think, we almost lost in Paris a couple of times uh, because he couldn't find his flight. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, they're here. And we also have Dr. Larry Frick. There, Larry, would you stand? And he's going to be speaking to us. Uh, used to be my medical doctor. And also Dr. Mike Holbrook. Mike, would you stand? And we are also going to have in a video feed uh, my dear and lifelong friend, Dr. Doug Carter. So as we worship today, we're just going to worship the Lord on the third song. If you would like to come, we have the, the uh, what we call the family altar here. And you can come and uh, pray with either a pastor or a leader. And uh, just feel free to come. And we're just going to worship the Lord together. So let's stand together. Let's stand to our feet. Let's give God glory. And let's start worshiping. Eric, lead us in worship. Who can 
stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord?
ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my
Dear God, we're just so thankful for how you're moving in this room today. And what you've done the last two days as a part of our church, God, we ask that you would be with the speakers as they come and share what you put on their hearts. Uh, and that it would be your words that would be spoken, and that our hearts would be receptive to what you have for us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's give God glory. Amen. Great job, guys. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. What a wonderful, yes, wonderful job today. We can just sense God here today. Amen. And I'm glad that you're here, glad that we're here, and uh, it's just going to be a wonderful day as we continue on in the ministry of the Lord. Uh, thank you. Let's set it up here in the front. And, uh, and while Ed is here, I just want to take a moment to say that Ed is our newest addition to our Capital City staff. He is now working. <laughs> and uh, he has been working very hard on his credentials and uh, has been given uh, the approval for council license. Yes. And he is going to be helping us. Yeah, let's give God praise. Amen. This is a great thing. And this is the prayer of my heart, that God would just keep raising us up. Ed, you want to say anything? No, sir. Okay. It's probably good. And because uh, if you... I know. I get started. And uh, I, I just tell you that Ed, uh, this week, has taken pretty seriously this idea of getting intentional about asking people about their faith. And he's been asking people, uh, if you died today, you're ready to go to heaven. And he's been able to lead three people this week to the Lord. Let's give God praise. Amen. This is wonderful. We are so pleased for Ed and Nan together. Nan, would you stand? Uh, there's no good guy without, uh, is she here? She's in the back. There she is. There she is. That's right, Nan. God bless you. The secret of every great man is a great woman behind him and a surprised mother-in-law. And uh, so, <laughs> uh, okay, okay, you don't stand behind any man. You stand with your man. Okay, that's right. I correct myself. After 50 years of saying that, I correct myself in 2022. Today we have, a, we have had this great commission conference, and I just want some of you to know that yesterday from 9 to 12, uh, we had our conference here. We had a number of churches represented as we talked about obeying and responding to the Great Commission. And we had views, not only from all over the U.S. We got them from Arizona and from Florida and Carolina uh, and got them in, in different places, Indiana, uh, different places where views were going on. But we also had views yesterday from Egypt, Let's give God praise for those in Egypt. We had views from Lebanon. Let's give God praise for that. We had views from Pakistan. Let's give God praise for that. And we had views uh, from all over the Middle East. And so we just want to say, yes, let's give God glory. God is helping us. Doesn't mean that we don't have the battles, but we, God is helping us 
to do some good and some wonderful things. So today I'm just going to interview or in introduce all three speakers and they will just come up. The first one is our general superintendent and I want you to get to know him. Uh, he is the one who has cast the vision for the idea that our denomination becomes a great commission movement. And he has been my friend for many, many years. Uh, he is serving out his third year as our general superintendent, and I think he served 12, if I'm not mistaken, as our South Central District superintendent. Mike Holbrook is a great man and a great friend, and he's going to come to us. Will you give him a capital city welcome as he comes? After he comes, and then you can give a capital city welcome to Dr. Larry Frick. And uh, unlike some of the rest of the people who are called doctor, he really is one. Uh, he didn't just stay at Holiday Inn Express. Uh, he is a true medical doctor. He was my medical doctor for many years at, uh, in Chillicothe. And he is going to come and talk after Mike finishes up about his journey from leaving a thriving medical practice to being called and then obeying that call to becoming a medical missionary. And uh, let's give him a welcome right now, but as he comes. And then I think perhaps one of the greatest world statesmen in the world, um, and I'm glad he didn't try to come up. He said, David, if you want me to come, I'll come. And I believe he would have. But that was going to be coming from Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, I'll just say he's a little older than me. I won't tell you how old he is, but you know that I'm usually the oldest person in the room, so that gives you an idea. And uh, so he's a little older than me, but we want, we, he is going to come to us by video, and you will never be the same when you listen to Dr. Doug Carter. So let's start out here with Dr. Mike Holbrook. And Dr. Mike, we are glad you're here. God bless you. Thank you, David. God bless you. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here today and to share with you what a great day yesterday and uh, what an honor to share this platform with these great gentlemen. Uh, give David Dean a hand, would you? Just in thanks for putting this conference together and the church. Thank you so much for putting this on. And um, Great Commission is God's vision. Of course, it's our vision. But... Uh, to share this platform with Dr. Larry Frick, thank you for getting great to get reacquainted with you after some years, and what a great heart he has, and yet probably the greatest heart I know is Dr. Doug Carter's, and we just excited to hear from him. Now, David's a little bit older than me, Dr. Carter's a lot older than me, and I'm uh, sorry, Doug, but uh, anyway, just, just good to be here with you. Uh, my part today is to try to challenge you. Uh, to be Great Commission people, a Great Commission Christian. And I, I'm going to do that in, in a different way here, possibly, but what I want to do is, first of all, just share some quotes from others about Great Commission, about evangelism, and what it is to evangelize. Here's one that says, The man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to world evangelism in history, Andrew Murray. To call a man or a person evangelical who is not evangelistic is an utter contradiction. 
G. Campbell Morgan. If we have faith, the believer cannot be restrained. He betrays himself. He breaks out. He confesses and teaches the gospel to the people at the risk of life itself, Martin Luther. When a man is filled with the word of God, you cannot keep him still. If a man has got, gotten the word, he must speak or die, D.L. Moody. If you had the cure to cancer, wouldn't you share it? You have the cure to death. Now get out there and share it. Kirk Cameron. The way you store up treasure in heaven is by investing in getting people there. Rick Warren. And I have to use my son, Ryan. Think what we could do if we were as motivated to reach the lost as the devil was motivated to reach the saved. If I may, I'd like to re use the remainder of my time just to speak to you from my heart. I uh, have a lot of stories that we could tell. I have a story of my neighbor, Dick. Oh, it's a wonderful story. I'll have to share it with you if you haven't heard it. I have a story about my mother who went to a neighbor and took a pie, actually a pie three times, and finally the door was opened up for to bring her to Christ. Those stories stir me. They motivate me in some sense. But the truth is, I can tell you stories. You may be challenged for a little while. You may go out of this building and say, wow, what a great story, or, or wow, I, I want to see that happen in my life, and then you forget it. The truth of the matter is, it has to come from your heart. It has to be a part of you this morning. It has to be a heart filled with a love for God. It has to be a heart filled with a love for others. We have to believe that there is a heaven, and not only a heaven, but there's a, a real hell. And that if people are not ready, and they do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that's where they're going to go. We have to believe the Bible, and that it's real. And I just want to say there's a heart that is bitter, a heart that is selfish, a heart that is uh, just full of knowledge of God without the love of God, is not going to be effective. The greatest motivation today has to come from your heart, not from some general superintendent or some pastor. I think we're, we're needed, don't get me wrong, but it's your heart that God wants to get a hold of today. Do you believe today how great today? If we truly realized how great God is, I think we would be about the Father's business. Do you really believe that he's great? Maybe it's like this. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will sing how great, how great is our God. Sing it with me. 
How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will sing how great, how great is our God. Some groups, probably worship teams, lead into then sings my soul. (laughs) Our God is a great God. And it's not because of me or because of you. It's not because of any other reason that I want to tell the story. It's because of his greatness and what he's done for me. Bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. Can you think of what he's done for you? We've started into a new year, 2022. Oh, it's amazing. Isn't it amazing that we're already here? But allow those words to that song not to just be words, but truly believe how great he is. I believe in our world today of 2022, they need to know how great God is. It's his love. It's his greatness that's going to draw them. That's going to motivate us to share that gospel. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will sing how great, how great is our God. And when we realize how great he is, then we can sing, I love to tell the story. I love to tell the story of unseen things above of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know tis true. <laughs> it satisfies my longings as nothing else can do. My desire would be that we all leave this place to tell the story. The story of his story And then of my story, of what he's done for me. Because you see, God is great today. Think of the Bible, think of the stories of the scriptures and all the miracles that's been performed. All the things that's been done here even in Cap City, in Columbus, in our churches. Think of all those things that God has done. Allow that to motivate you and challenge you to go and tell the story. God bless you. Privilege at this time to introduce a a good friend and uh, someone that has a great heart for God and for missions and for people, Dr. Larry Frick. Good morning, Cap City Church. It is a blessing to be with you this morning. Uh, Bring greetings from my wife, Marcy, um, who is at our home near Lexington, Kentucky this morning. Um, We also have a daughter, Hannah, who's a junior at Anderson University, and um, just um, just, uh, glad to be with you uh, this morning. You know, I want to kind of start off with what I want to share by acknowledging that some of you have already checked out. Some of you are sitting there thinking, okay, 
David introduced this guy, and he's a medical doctor, and I'm not a medical doctor, and so whatever he's going to say doesn't apply to me. Or you heard that word missionary. And missionaries, we put them on a pedestal in the church, and whatever's going on with them, that, that doesn't apply to me. And I just want to share this passage that God showed me just this morning in my quiet time. It's in John chapter 12, and it says this. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me where I am. There will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You get those words? Anyone, whoever. God wants all of us to be about serving him. The details will be different, the locations will be different, but God wants all of us in this game of the Great Commission. So David asked me to share my story a little bit, and the details obviously will be different from your story, but he wants all of us in the game. And so um, God is, he is so wonderful and has done so much in, in my life, and I know that he'll do great things in your life as well. You know, I grew up in sort of a nominal Christian home, uh, and no one really ever told me how to have a relationship with Jesus. And praise the Lord, he got a hold of me when I was in high school through some friends that really explained to me that being Christian actually meant you had to have a relationship with Jesus. And you had to um, confess your sins and acknowledge him as your Savior and invite him into your life. And so that really started my journey of following Jesus. One of the other things about growing up was I was like a lot of the people that Doug Carter talked to us about um, yesterday. See, Doug shared the survey results from the Barna survey about how many people in the church have no idea what the Great Commission really is. I mean, he's talking about evangelical churches, and the, the numbers were, were staggering about how many people don't even understand what the Great Commission is. And I was one of those. I mean, if you'd asked me back in that day, I'd say, Great Commission, isn't that group that Congress appointed to investigate the Kennedy assassination? I mean, I had no, would have had no idea what this thing was. Um, so, there I was, and began to follow Jesus a little bit, and eventually, God brought me to Columbus, Ohio, to residency for my family practice training at Grant Medical Center up the road here. You know, one of the things about being a medical resident is that's not usually a great spiritual time in the life of, of Christian doctors. It's busy, it's hard, but for me, it was one of the best times of my life. God got me connected to a church that was a young adult group, a young pastor there that discipled me for the first time, and I began to grow in my faith. And so I also met my wife, Marcy, during those days through that ministry, and we got married, moved to Chillicothe when I finished residency, and I thought, I'm going to be a small-town doctor here for the rest of my life, and this was my path. Began going to church at Brookside, met David and Connie, and what a joy it's been to know them all these years, and, and how they poured into us, and how David really discipled me to an even greater level. But then something happened in our life. We did something really dangerous, something I never would have anticipated, having no idea about the Great Commission, something I never would have anticipated, having no desire in my life ever to leave this country. You know, people have their bucket list, and mine was, okay, I would like to see all 50 states, but no vision for going out of the country. And yet, God sent us on a mission trip to Russia. This was back in 96. 
It's a long story. It involves a dream that God gave uh, my wife um, about how we ended up on this mission trip. But, you know, we got there, and we went to the city of Murmansk, which is way north in Russia. It's up on the Arctic Circle, above the Arctic Circle. And we get there, we get out of the bus with this group, and we're standing in front of this church um, that we were going to be working with. And Pastor Vasily, this Russian pastor, comes out. And he says something that changed my life. He said, welcome to the ends of the earth. And literally getting there was like getting to the ends of the earth, but Acts 1-8 really came alive for me right in that moment. God just used that. This is what I'm talking about. And we're to go to the ends of the earth. And so we go inside, we have some tea and little Russian cookies, and then we go into a church service. I've never been out of the country, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, well, this is going to be great. I don't know Russian, I can't even read the writing on anything. What's going to happen here? Well, we start singing, and we sing a couple songs, and then we start singing Amazing Grace. And they're singing in Russian, and we're singing in English, and... That passage in Revelation just came alive to me. That when Jesus comes back, like we sang about earlier this morning, and when he comes back on the clouds, there'll be people from every tongue and tribe and language and nation worshiping together before the throne. And he gave us a taste of that that day, and it was never, my life's never been the same. And so God began to use those things. The next year, Marcy and I found ourselves in Zambia, on the other side of the equator, and after that trip, we were just hooked on what God could do through missions, through using us in, in different ways around the world. So we got involved in the church in missions. I I, by then, I figured out what this Great Commission thing was, and I wanted to get a lot of other people involved in it. So we got on the mission committee, and we started leading teams and supporting missionaries. And along the way, through a family in our church, we got connected to this ministry called Go International, which is based in Kentucky. And went on some teams with them, and really began to focus our, our medical trips through, through Go International. And so in 2005, we were in Honduras, in San Pedro Sula, and my translator for that trip, a lady from Venezuela, gave our team devotion one morning. And God used this passage in a powerful way in my life. Um, I still, still remember it today. Um, it was Isaiah 55.2, and it says this, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Was I really spending my life for the things that God wanted me to do? I was doing good things, and God was using it, and was able to minister to people, but the rich food is actually Jesus himself. He's the bread of life. And I laid my, down, my life down uh, for him. So that really began a process of even deeper searching. And, and I was connected on the, the board at Go International by then. And pretty soon I'm leading teams for them a couple times a year. And by 2008, the Lord said, you know, you need to be doing this full time. So that's when, when we made that move um, to, to full-time missions uh, with Go International. And God's so amazing. Remember I told you I had no idea to leave the country. Well, now I've led about 75 mission teams to 18 different countries, and God's just funny that way. He does things in our lives that we never dream or anticipate when we lay our, down our lives and, and follow him. But you know, God doesn't stop speaking to us just because we answer his call, just because we um, um, say yes. There's always another yes around the corner. 
And the thing that he's really been laying on our heart in these days is a focus on, especially in our mission work among unreached people groups. Now, an unreached people group is a group of people that there's no Christians or so few Christians, maybe not any churches, and so most people in that group just have no chance of meeting a Christian or ever hearing the gospel of Jesus. You know, there's a lot of lost right around us, but they're going to bump into Christians if we just be obedient to tell them. But these people have no chance of ever meeting a Christian or ever hearing the gospel of Jesus. And the missiologists tell us that's those unreached people groups, even today, account for 3 billion people on the face of the earth. And there's this great imbalance in the church. Because only 3% of our mission giving, only about 3% of our missionary workforce, is working among these unreached people groups. We're sending missionaries and our resources to places that are already reached. They have Christians, they have churches. And so that's what God's been challenging us to do, and we're focusing our work on that in just a greater way as time goes on. And I just want to leave you with this challenge. Um, just to hear, hear from God. I'm sure um, Dr. Carter will be challenging us on this in a great way in just a few minutes, but um, just seek him. Uh, seek his will. You know, I talk to our medical students that go with us on teams a lot, and I tell them there's good news. God's will is not lost. You want to find God's will, we have it. Now, there's some details that God's going to need to fill in in each of our lives, but his will is for us to go and make disciples and to make disciples of all nations, and especially those that haven't had the chance to hear yet. So just encourage you to get involved in, uh, with God in that, that process. Um, we always talk about ways that you can be involved. You can pray, and absolutely is um, the quote that uh, uh, Dr. Mike shared earlier. That's the, the key to missions. Um, you can go. And we have opportunities for you to go with us. There's information on the back table. You can sign up, and we can get all kinds of information to you about opportunities to go. And you can give um, to support those that are going. Um, again, thank you so much for inviting me to your church. It's exciting to be here and be with David and Connie again. Um, if you want to hear more about um, opportunities around the world and what God's going, doing through our, our ministry, um, we're having a video uh, Zoom conference on Thursday night at 7.30. You can get to read to the rest of my friends at Go International and hear what God's doing through our partners around the world. And you can sign up, and we'll get you the link uh, for that. Um, but thank you again for having me um, with you uh, this morning. And we're looking forward to hearing what Dr. Carter is going to share with us now. So. With you this morning at Capital City Church. I have uh, the greatest love and respect for my dear friend, Pastor David Dean and his uh, sweet wife, Connie. I have had the joy of knowing them since we both were young ministers serving the Lord out in the great state of Arizona. Winnie and I were serving as missionaries at the Southwest Indian School on the American Indian field and David and Connie were serving a church in Tucson, and the Lord brought our paths together way back there. It was uh, before uh, their daughter, Heather, uh, was even born. And so our friendship uh, has covered many, many miles, uh, decades, and uh, it's been a rich and wonderful friendship. 
And so I am so deeply grateful for the opportunity to be a part of the ministry of this great church there on the south side of the capital city of Columbus. I uh, wish that uh, we had more time this morning to talk about what God is doing in our world. I said to Pastor David, you've given me a wonderful topic. I said, in fact, uh, the topic is so large, I'm going to need about five hours of speaking time. Um, he assured me that uh, he would be generous and try to find 15 or 20 minutes. So uh, let me do my very best to uh, condense that which I have observed across many years now of traveling the world. I've had the joy of being in 131 different nations of our world uh, on every continent um, in most regions of the world, had the joy of preaching or teaching uh, in one way or another, ministering uh, in the name of Jesus and sharing the good news and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to transform lives. And as I have made those journeys and as I have tried to invest in Christian leaders, as I've tried to invest in, in missionaries and national pastors, uh, in young men and women studying and preparation for the ministry and in scores of other ways, um, I've seen God at work. And uh, I'm going to just have to summarize it here for us just briefly. I think the way we'll do it is kind of run uh, region by region of the world. It's been amazing to uh, see what God has done in Latin America, from Mexico southward all the way to uh, Argentina and Chile. Uh, God has moved mightily. The evangelical church has grown. Missionaries uh, have uh, served faithfully. And one of the beautiful things today is that the church in Latin America, by and large, has become a sending church, has become a part of the global missionary force, and Latin American missionaries are serving literally around the world. I have been blessed on numerous occasions to see them in action, serving the Lord, making a difference in uh, the Middle East and in the Arabic-speaking world. It's been beautiful to behold. And uh, thank God for a church that at one time was young and struggling and uh, needing so much support from the outside. And missionaries came and loved and served and invested and trained. And now that church has become a force for good and for God in many parts of the world. And so we rejoice that the church in Latin America has become a sending church. Much could be said in the same way of the church in sub-Saharan Africa. As the good news taken by missionaries has spread from uh, the southernmost tip of Africa uh, upwards into the eastern region of Africa and nations like Kenya and Tanzania, and then out to the western part of the country uh, in nations like uh, Nigeria and Liberia and what have you. So all across uh, the continent of Africa, Missionaries have gone, the gospel has been shared, missionary roles have evolved, many ministries continue, medical ministries, primarily teaching ministries, Bible colleges, seminaries, leadership training, discipleship training, that has helped to grow, helping to grow a mature church that is now becoming a church that's reaching out to the unreached. Uh, it's amazing what God has done in China. Uh, Chairman Mao, with his, with his communist thugs, took over the country back in 1949. 
And by 1976, it is largely agreed that he had almost erased Christianity from that nation. Uh, Christians were killed. Uh, Bibles were burned. Churches were destroyed. And a church that had been multiple millions was reduced, we believe, down to a half million or maybe even fewer. And it seemed that what God had done in China uh, prior to Chairman Mao taking over in 49 and communism, uh, the hordes of communists sweeping across the land and, and enslaving the people, it seemed that what God had done before that had come to a, a screeching halt. And yet, uh, somewhere along there, uh, after 1976, we begin to get reports that the underground church was experiencing incredible revival and that uh, a remnant of the faithful uh, had held on to the Word of God and, had, and uh, had held on in prayer, believing God for a time of spiritual revival. And the church in China began to grow. There are just some amazing stories that come out of China from that period. I remember the story I heard told to me by uh, a gentleman who at one point was one of seven lads that an elderly Chinese lady asked to come into her home. She had just a, uh, a small home, one room, a dirt floor, uh, on, under, the, uh, under her bed in the, in the ground, she'd buried a Bible. And uh, she would get her Bible out and she'd give the boys milk and cookies and, and she'd teach them the word of God. And in time, those young men gave their hearts, to, they became young men, teenagers, and gave their hearts to Christ. And several felt called to preach. And, and she said, I don't have a Bible to give you to preach, but I'll help you get a bicycle. And I'll give you some hymns, some of the uh, hymns of Charles and John Wesley that had been translated into Mandarin Chinese. And I'll give you those. And you can go with your bicycle and with your hymns and preach Jesus. And they traveled under the cover of night, and everywhere they went, they shared the good news. And churches by the tens of thousands were planted, and the gospel spread. And over time, millions came to Christ until today, uh, we believe that there could easily be a uh, hundred million Christ followers uh, in China. Now, that means there's still an enormous amount of work to do because there's a billion and a half people there. But a church that was almost erased, that's become... Uh, perhaps the, the largest evangelical church in any nation on earth, for, uh, arising from uh, those terrible, tragic, horrible days under Chairman Mao and the communists to become a dynamic church that was reaching thousands for Jesus on a daily basis. And I've had the joy to go in there and work with those churches. And one of the things they ask is, give us the kind of training that will enable us country folks those of us who've lived in rural areas where the revival spread so quickly, training that will help us to go into the cities to reach the cities for Christ and also give us the kind of leadership training and discipleship training that will enable us to be not a mission field, but a mission force to take the gospel of Jesus Christ across all of Asia and back to Jerusalem where it began. And that is the church in China on the move uh, experiencing revival. And then, of course, there's North Africa. That would be the part of Africa that is uh, touched by the Saharan Desert. It's an area that's primarily Arabic in population. Uh, stretches from uh, uh, Morocco and Mauritania across to Algeria and Tunisia and into Libya and Egypt and so forth, across that northern tier. Even uh, we include Sudan oftentimes in that, in that group of nations. Uh, the, when, the, uh, when the Islamic uh, forces went across North Africa 
they killed millions of Christians and millions of Jews. And uh, it, it, it seemed that the church had been eliminated. And yet in recent years, God has been at work. Underground churches primarily. Uh, it wasn't but just a few years ago that the king of Morocco made the statement. He said, I am so glad that I can announce to the world that in my kingdom there is absolutely not even one Christian. And of course, uh, what he didn't know, I assume that he didn't know, at that very time, over 300 house churches had been planted. And those house churches were starting additional house churches on a regular basis. I have met many of those pastors who had led those house churches, and some of them today lead even larger churches in Morocco. And what has happened in Morocco, in places like Casablanca, in Agadir, uh, and has swept out across Algeria, and Tunisia, and Libya, and other of those nations, until there is an active church that is growing. They are continue to be desperately in need uh, for training, particularly in the arena of leadership and discipleship, because so many of the believers are, who come in are young. They are from Muslim backgrounds. They have little or no knowledge, of course, of the Bible. And so they need to be taught in the Word of God. They need to be discipled. They need to be trained to serve and to lead. And that is the endeavor in which I have been involved uh, in a partnership that involves a ministry called Step Forward and also World Gospel Mission, which, of course, is a partner with the Churches of Christ and Christian Union. It's been a joy to work in that part of the world. Then there's Iran. Um, there was a strong belief that uh, most all of the Christians in Iran had either fled the country or, or had been destroyed 15 or 20 years ago. And yet now we are learning that through dreams and visions and satellite TV, that in the past 20 years, more people in Iran have come to Christ than in the previous 1,500 years. And uh, if there was time, I could, uh, I could spend an hour or two with you just telling stories of uh, those who, either through satellite TV, which is illegal in the country but is still there, uh, or through dreams and visions, where Christ has appeared to individuals. And they've not fully understood who he is, They've just heard his words of compassion, his words of love, as he has said to them, I love you, I'm the only one who can save you, I'm the only one who can go with you through life and then uh, through death and into eternity where you can live uh, forevermore. And they've not fully understood, but always they go looking for someone that can explain the dream. And inevitably, God leads them to an underground Christian. And they are able to hear the full story of Jesus and come to a saving relationship with him. Usually then they start a church in their own home. In fact, it has been said that the church in Iran can grow as fast as house church leaders can be trained. And it's been a wonderful privilege of mine through the ministry of Equip uh, to be able to do, uh, to have some involvement in the training of leaders, particularly for the underground church uh, in Iran in this case. Uh, as, as well as, in, of course, in many other nations. And then uh, I think about the Middle East. Um, I've probably been in, in China 20 times to teach and train. Um, but I also think about the Middle East. The, the, these two areas just always uh, rest heavily upon my heart, and yet at the same time, 
they uh, they kindled a fire in with me, a fire within me that that um, even at my age of eighty keeps me young and up early and up late and on my knees and and keeps me actively involved because I just know of the incredible need that still exists in uh, in the Middle East and. Uh, and in in China and India and in those regions of the world. Um, In fact, one time I was in China training uh, leaders and they asked me if I'd go one evening late and meet with a group of underground pastors that had come from Tibet. And I found out that every one of these 50 young men and women had been persecuted. They'd been in prison. They'd suffered for their faith. And some had been brutally mistreated. And then we gathered in this small home and we packed them into this tiny bedroom, 50 of them. And we started at nine in the evening and went in three in the, to three in the morning. And I, and I tried to pour into them biblical Christian leadership principles. And, and finally, at the end of the evening, I, I said, we must quit. And they wanted to keep going. And, and finally, I said at 3 a.m., let's wrap it up. And I want to pray for you. Give me your prayer request. And it was interesting. Not a one of them asked me to pray that life would be easy. No one asked for comfort or convenience. No one asked for food or clothing or shelter. It was interesting, the leader of the group said, Brother Carter, always pray that we will never personal interest, that we'll never value our own personal comfort more, that we'll never value our own lives more than we value the souls of lost men and women. Pray that we will be courageous and bold and willing always to lay our lives on the line for the salvation of our people. This is what I hear also in the Middle East. I think of a gentleman in Lebanon who was pastoring a small church up in northern Lebanon. And of course, the refugees not many years ago began to pour across the border, across the mountain from Syria. Syrian refugees, Iraqi refugees, Kurdistan refugees, by the millions, pouring into the Bekaa Valley. And this pastor felt led of God to go to minister. About the time that he was being given this opportunity to go and minister to these refugees, uh, a group of Muslim terrorists um, came into the home of one of his relatives and murdered, I believe it was a niece and that niece's baby. And he said that the very time he was thinking about ministry to Arab refugees, many of them Muslim refugees, he now has within him this brokenness that leads to anger over what has happened, what these Muslims have done to his loved ones. And he was an ex-Marine and he was a he was a man among men and And he went looking for the killer. And as he was on his way to find the killer, with the idea that he would uh, avenge the death of his loved ones, he said God began to work on him. And began to talk to him about how he, God, had given his own son to die for those Muslims as well as to to die for my Lebanese friend. And by the time he found the killer and faced him, And the killer realized he was trapped. My friend was weaponized. At that point, the killer was not. My friend could have taken his life. And so this man said, go ahead and kill me. Don't prolong my suffering, just kill me. 
and this Lebanese brother looked at him and said, I need to tell you, I didn't come to kill you. I came to tell you about Jesus who can give you life and give you life abundantly. Over time, he has ministered to thousands of refugees. Hundreds of refugee families are now part of his church. A church of maybe 80 people has become a church of thousands of people as he has reached refugees and discipled them and trained them in leadership. And some of those refugees have been transferred by the United Nations into Western Europe. And I've met some of those refugees that he led to Christ and those same refugees are today leading Arabic churches in places like England and Holland and Germany and Spain and elsewhere. As the influence of this one man, who at one point burning with rage to get even, realizes that God loved him so much when he was lost and undone, that his response should be that he would tell these lost Muslims about Jesus. And he's done so. And he's ministered humanitarian aid. He's risked his life during the COVID epidemic to go and to serve. And as he has served, lives have been changed. They have been equipped. And today, they are making a difference. Um, no time to continue onward. We've mentioned Latin America. We've mentioned Africa. We've mentioned China, North Africa, Iran, the Middle East, to just touch a part of our world a place where the gospel is being shared by faithful missionaries, by faithful national workers, where people are having the opportunity to go from various parts of the world to minister in this hour of need. I trust that you'll pray for persecuted Christians all over the world, and especially that you will pray for those who serve on the front lines of ministry in refugee camps and in other difficult places, in dark, difficult, and dangerous parts of our world. But remember that even there in the midst of all the danger, they pray for boldness. They pray for courage. They don't ask for a life of ease. They value souls, the souls of others, more than they value their own lives. And they, their passion is the fulfillment of the Great Commission in their part of the world, in their generation. We don't have time to talk about Europe and the United States and Canada. I'll just simply put it this way. The two places in the world where the revive, where revival, where an urgent revival, where revival is needed more than any other place on our planet, those two places would be Europe and our own America, here in North America, and particularly the United States. I'm afraid that our comfort and conveniences oftentimes have led to complacency and apathy. I would pray that afresh and anew, God would break all of our hearts with the brokenness of a broken world and would send us across the street and around the world to make Christ known. The world's come to us. There are people all around us who need Jesus. There are opportunities in our own neighborhoods. There are opportunities in our own cities, in our own communities. And there are opportunities all around the world through our giving, through our going, through our praying to touch people who are on a collision course with eternity and who are going to be lost forever unless we touch them in the name of Jesus. God is at work. Let's be a part of it. 
don't miss this opportunity to be a part of revival in our homeland as well as continued growth of the church around the world in all the nations of the world help let's help let's do our part to help spread the fame and the glory of our lord jesus to the ends of the earth i plead with you in jesus name don't miss this opportunity to be a part of what god is doing in this hour in building the church god bless you i love you all i wish i could be there with you in person you're in my prayers the scripture is so very clear and jesus made this promise i will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is building his church in the world. In Iran and China, I have seen the hungry faces and preached to the people there. In the Middle East, several of us have been there and we've watched as refugees came and filled a building said they were tired of hearing about Islam and they wanted to hear and they had never heard words like the words of the gospel. What I want us to do in my prayer deeply is this. I want to become a Great Commission Christian. And I'm praying that many of you will become a Great Commission Christian with me. Say, Pastor David, I don't know all that means. I'm not sure I know all that means either. But I want to be a part of God's work in the world. I want our church. It was the thing that drew me here, even when Pastor Phil and Pastor Crystal were here they asked me to come and just kind of be a part. And in those days, those early days, my deepest prayer was that God would make Cap City Church a Great Commission Church, where we're sending people out, where we're bringing young people and others, older people and middle-aged people in, and we're training them and then eventually we send them back out. I want our church to become intentionally praying for the world. I want our church to be intentionally praying for lost people. I want our church to be intentionally building relationships with people around us that don't know the Lord. I want our church to be intentionally reaching out in whatever way that you feel the most comfortable. I want our church to intentionally be discipling and making disciples and taking those disciples and seeing them go all over the world. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Will you take your connection card that's in your 
your worship folder if you have a connection card. Would you put your name on it first and purify today? Is there any that I go to heaven? But I really, really do want to know that. Would you just slip hand up very quickly and put it down? We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to come to you. God bless you. I see that hand. Pastor, I really, God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. I really see that hand. And your word says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And in your own words, just tell him, Lord, I believe that you love me. And I believe that you died for my sins. And see, I just confess you as my Lord and Savior. I invite you into my heart. I open the door and I confess you. Lord, I believe that you hear my prayer. You hear my confession. And I confess you right now as my Lord and Savior. In your own words. I believe there are people all over this place that are praying that prayer today. If you prayed that prayer, Please mark it down on your connection card. I think we ought to give God praise because all heaven's rejoicing. This is what makes God happy. He doesn't care about how many people we have. He doesn't care about how many offerings we have. What he cares about is how many people are serious and honest in this right here. Then I'm going to pray. And I want you without any prodding, if you want to be a Great Commission Christian or you want to confess that truly you prayed that prayer of Christ, I want you just to get up out of your seat and put your connection card on the altar and then go back to your seat. We're not going to make you stand up. We're not going to make you talk. We're not going to make you do anything, and we're not going to wait very long. If you filled that out, just stand up right where you are and just come and put it on the altar. Just lay it on the altar and then go back to your seat. Just put it on the altar as other people do it. As other people just do it. I want to do this. I'm laying it here. I'm laying my life before you, God. I'm saying I want my heart to be what you want me to be. I want to be a Great Commission Christian. I want to confess Christ as my Lord. I want to confess him as my Savior. I want to confess him in all of my heart and all of my life. And I just want God to have his way in my heart. Amen. I don't want to hurry. God bless you. And if you didn't have the courage to bring it up here, you can put it in the offering plate as it comes. Father, you have seen these hearts. You know where we are today. Lord, we can't start with the world, but we can start with those who have made a commitment. Yes, Lord, I want to be a Great Commission Christian. Make this church what you would have it to be. In Jesus' name, amen.
ushers, will you come forward? And uh, as you get ready to take the offering, you can put your uh, connection cards. If you didn't place it here, please place it there. Give an offering. Haven't you appreciated uh, Dr. Mike Holbrook? Let's give him a hand. Praise God. Haven't you appreciated Larry Frick? Amen. And haven't you appreciated so much my friend Doug Carter? Just remember this week we have all of our uh, ministries that are going on, Awana, and uh, we have our, our ladies' ministries that's going on, and then next Sunday is going to be an exciting week. Eric Heron. Eric, where are you? <laughs> He's going to preach. I ain't going to give God praise. Give God praise. <laughs> Say, Pastor David, are you trying to work yourself out of a job? Absolutely I am, you know. But it's wonderful to have all of these young people with us. And so, Father, thank you for this beautiful service. Thank you for this offering today. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Now, as the offering is being taken, they're going to sing. And then when you get done giving your offering, you stand up. And we're all going to sing together. God bless you.
class. Dr. Larry will be at his table if you'd like to get one of his books. And Connie will be at our table. God bless you. You are dismissed.